today's omni-channel retailer, satisfying customer demands is a very costly proposition. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Retailers spend an average of 18 cents of every dollar on meeting customer expectations of buy anywhere, pick up anywhere, a 5% increase over the year before. That's according to a new study from EKN Research in partnership with Aptos. They have uncovered what they call the true costs associated with the order management lifecycle at a time when retailers are juggling store fulfillment with online orders and home deliveries with pickups in store. It's a hugely complex challenge. We're going to unravel some of the details in my conversation today with Sahir Anan, Vice President of Research and Principal Analyst with EKN, and Dave Bruno, Director of Marketing with Aptos. They're going to talk about the findings of their new ebook entitled Threat or Opportunity, Seven Steps to Overcoming the Shockingly High Costs of the Order Management Lifecycle. We'll explore some of the hidden costs as well, find out why companies are reluctant to invest in long-term process improvements, and learn how traditional retailers are finding ways to become more competitive with that behemoth called Amazon. So here is my conversation with Sahir Anan and Dave Bruno. Well, Sahir Anand, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bob. And Dave Bruno, welcome. Hey, Bob. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Sahir, let me start with you just to reveal what appears to be a pretty shocking result of this EKN study that said that retailers spend an average of 18 cents out of every dollar to satisfy today's customer expectations of buy anywhere, pick up anywhere. Could you put that in context for me? How much is that compared with what they have spent in the past? What is considered excessive? What is considered reasonable? Just put that 18 cents in perspective for me. From a year-over-year perspective, what our research shows is a 5% increase in, in that number compared to last year. So that's first and foremost. The average value, if you look at cost per order, it includes fully loaded cost per order plus shipping costs. That's what makes up for that uh, cost per order aggregate number. And average order value includes, if, if you think about, you know, how, how that cost is actually broken out further, the fully loaded cost would, uh, would include equipment cost in the warehouse or DC, labor cost, other types of additional cost of sales or cost of managing and moving orders. It would also include the shipping cost, which, by the way, is pretty substantial cost for uh, retailers, especially those those retailers that are engaged in expedited shipping, two-day shipping, same-day shipping. When you do a week-long or seven-day shipping cycle, those costs are substantially less. The two-day, uh, uh, single-day shipping or same-day shipping, as they say, call it, is much more expensive. In some cases, it could be 40%, 50% more expensive when it comes to just the shipping cost, not to mention the fully loaded cost of managing and handling the order. 
at the DC level, at the warehouse level, in the supply chain, bringing it all the way to the last mile. So in fact, when those indirect shipping costs are figured in, it turns out to be even more than 18 cents of every dollar, does it not? I mean, when you it, talk it, about the average order value of, of what, did you say $66? Is that correct? That is correct. It can be substantially higher. But we wanted to report on the facts that we've gathered for our calculations for every dollar 18 cents is spent on fulfillment and order management, uh, but especially the fulfillment aspects, which can be pretty, pretty expensive. And like I said, there is a 5% increase over last year. That does not take into account other factors. For instance, just last year in, in the U.S., the cost of the box has always been borne out by the retailer or the shipper carrier that you might be using. However, when you actually measure the weight of the box, the shipping container or the box, that was never supposed to be paid by the consumer. Because of the change in the shipping policies of almost, uh, I would say, all the major shipper carriers and other companies that are involved in fulfillment, now that cost is the weight of the box or the container is also to be borne out by the by the consumer. Some part of it is to be borne out by the by the retailer, of course, because the sizes and the number of boxes have also increased. So, for example, when you split orders, you could be shipping from three, four, five centers, uh, DCs. You could be shipping from different stores. So all of that adds up when you are shipping more boxes out. So it's the cost of the box, cost of handling orders, shipping costs, so on and so forth. You're talking about the move toward dimensional weight pricing by UPS and FedEx and others over the last year, correct, in terms of it's no longer just weight. It's also how much space the box takes up on the truck, which has raised the price for a good number of shipments. But you're saying ship shippers, I mean, your, your customers are still getting free shipping, even though those prices have gone up. So it's becoming even more important for retailers to figure out a way to control these costs, right? Yes, and by no means are we are we suggesting that free shipping is the main cause for the increases in average cost per order, but it is one of the top five. Like I said earlier, what is really important for companies to understand is that expedited home and office shipping is the number one contributor to the increases in average cost per order, followed by free shipping on all orders. Obviously, that puts a lot of strain from a, from a retailer standpoint. Mm-hmm. In fact, what we found is that when you do standard shipping, the cost is actually half. But let me just also make a very important point over here. Cost per order is not just about the frequency or the speed at which you place your orders. It, it depends on a lot of factors. Uh, other factors which people uh, don't openly talk about, at least retailers don't like to openly talk about. One is one of which is allocating uh, inventories uh, based on fulfillment frequency from the stores. So when you actually uh, have the right amount of inventories going to the store, you, you generally look at min-max quantities and you manage what's going to be on-hand inventory versus top stock or or. Uh, whatever you have in back stock. In that, now companies have to allocate inventory which is actually visible for the stores to manage for online order fulfillment from the store. And according to our data, one in two retailers by the end of this year would have some form of a plan to fulfill from the stores. A third are already fulfilling from the stores. 
Dave, I'm wondering what you see out there in terms of these trends. Are you experiencing in terms of your customer base is this is problem or at least a situation of rising customer expectations, and how is that affecting the whole omnichannel from your perspective? We are seeing very similar results in the field, in addition to the, to the study from Sahir and EKN. What we're hearing, and we've had some very detailed conversations with, with several customers to try to get a sense of the pain that they're feeling and how they're trying to, to, to keep pace. And I'll tell you, the overriding sentiment that we hear from our executives is proceed with caution, which is difficult because there's oftentimes significant competitive pressures, right? Amazon introduces a new offering, a new feature, same-day service, for example, and so many retailers feel this need for a knee-jerk reaction. Well, if my competitors are offering, I've got to figure out a way to offer it. Despite that, we're hearing caution for long-term solutions, caution for investing in long-term solutions to these problems because they just don't know if they're fleeting or not. And they're, they're definitely a little bit like, well, let me see how these guys figure it out because it's costing me a fortune and I don't want to invest a lot yet to find a long-term solution if I don't know all of the answers. So it's a bit of a paradox. They feel this need to react quickly to stay competitive, but they're reticent to make big investments in long-term process improvement and technology investments that perhaps would solve it in the long run. It wasn't that long ago that we were all wondering whether the the, uh, the free shipping was a fleeting phenomenon or right. not. And right. I guess I'm not sure whether we can really say it exists or not. On one hand, yes, there's plenty of free shipping out there. On the other hand, you have Amazon Prime in which customers do pay a certain amount for two-day free shipping, and yet it doesn't cover the cost if, if they order lots of stuff over the course of that year. So clearly, that was not a fleeting trend. What leads people to think that this isn't a, that this might be? It just seems like every new trend, every new competitive pressure that has come out has turned out to be fairly permanent and had to be dealt with. I'll take a first pass, and then I'd love to hear to comment. He may have a different opinion, but my sense is that they're starting to recognize that this, regardless of the flavor of the month, right, Bob? Right, that the flavor of the month, whether it's free shipping or same day or or next day, or, or pick up in store, you know, free returns, th those kinds of things, whatever the flavor of the month is, at the end of the day, I think they all recognize that this notion of buy anywhere, pick up anywhere, return anywhere is not going away. And they're starting to get momentum behind these initiatives to solve that at, a, at, the, at the higher level. That until we bring things together, the flavor of the month is only going to be painful and we've got to find a way to build the infrastructure and the processes that allow us to respond to the flavor of the month while knowing that consistently we've got to be where our customers want us to be and offer them the services they want us to offer. So here, what's your perspective on that? It's interesting, right? Uh, the free shipping aspect and for, for that, how long will that be a trend and how many people will continue to really do free shipping even as the competitive landscape becomes more equal, right? Uh, as far as the lack of differentiation on the online side is, is, is only increasing by the day. And as you see that the volumes become 15% or 20% of sales, then you need other factors to, to come into play. So customers expecting free shipping is no longer, uh, in fact, as of today, that's, that's not really a differentiation. In fact, I'm hearing from a few retailers who much rather 
give customers incentives like companies like Jet.com and others on how to get a price break based on not returning an item because our data in the same survey that we did with Aptos shows that online return rates have increased uh, year over year and are now 23% plus for online orders in terms of all orders processed. So one important aspect I want to mention here is the acquired order visibility and improving shipping agility and the relationship there, which is becoming stronger and stronger. So free shipping, yeah, trend, continued trend, but I think which has diminishing values over a period of time as as business increases, as differentiation moves away from just the free aspect, uh, what do people value more? Do they value personalization? Do they um, value knowing exactly where their order is in the supply chain and in the value chain? And uh, also retailers being able to process different types of orders based on time of day and being able to charge accordingly based on time of day, which, by the way, uh, the grocers are doing uh, quite a bit, and so is office supplies and some other companies. So they're charging by by the time of day that they're processing. And, they, you know, there is that free element if you order within a time window. But then as you see more and more on-demand services for order fulfillment come to fore, you will see that the free shipping aspect is no longer going to be a bounty that, that people and consumers especially tend to respect. But when it comes to solutions, would I be oversimplifying things to say that the name of the game is visibility? And when I say that, I mean specifically visibility of the retailer to its own inventory because I, the consumer, when I order something online, I have pretty – my experience is I've had pretty good visibility to the progress of that order coming to me. I can track an order pretty well. I know exactly or within a certain reasonable amount of time when it's going to arrive. What seems less evident – is the retailer's ability to get visibility of its inventory throughout its system, at its stores, at its DCs, at its suppliers. Is this a critical problem, and is that ultimately where the solution lies? I'll take a stab, and then I'll let uh, Dave also comment. Order management requires a consolidated view of every order and every piece of inventory, especially in the world of split orders where you're trying to build efficiencies and optimization so that Many of your DCs, many of your stores can handle the same order, uh, and the customer receives parts of the order to, to put everything together in, in the same order, right? The reason you do that is for, the, for time-saving purposes, for cost-saving purposes. Uh, yes, you're undertaking the cost of shipping, ne- never mind that, but still you want to create that single unified efficiency so that you don't have to consolidate every order. So let's say in a marketplace where you don't do that, you have disconnected systems, you have silos in your order management systems, your point-of-sale inventory system shows a different uh, result compared to your warehouse system, uh, your ASNs are tracking orders in the back end. So you've got just way too many disparate systems, and that's, that's the problem in managing one view of order and that one customer, one one order type of scenario. So what can companies do? Well, companies can create and uh, manage orders u- using a single order workflow. So you need a single system, that's your master system of record for a order, and you need to have 
the warehouse system and the point of sale system to be able to support that master order record through a unified workflow and and you should be able to see the same order workflow through your point of sale system and through your warehouse management system you ultimately you're going to be taking data either from your point of sale or and your warehouse management system to populate the order workflow in the order management system but it's very important that you treat the order management system as the system of single version of truth on the order so i think that's critical and that's i think where companies need to move dave where do you see this uh, this this problem of visibility and how it can be solved yeah i think sahir is right I, I would add from my point of view i think that the idea bob you described an anecdote right sort of your experience anecdotally that you 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 really like to have visibility into the inventory and I, and i would say that that's supported by the research more and more studies tell us that shoppers expect that and here's where i think that's interesting from a retailer's point of view that's an advantage that they have over amazon putting the product closer to the customer. And if you give them confidence that, they, that, they, that you have the product they want in a nearby location, you've just leveraged all that investment in your store infrastructure and real estate uh, and inventory to give you a competitive advantage over Amazon and not having to offer free shipping in order to match them. So it's absolutely mission critical. It's the first step to a single view of the order, uh, as Sahir mentioned, but it also is sort of a backdoor way to get more competitive with Amazon. And, and, and everybody I talk to says, let's find ways to do that. <laughs> so I think it's a doubly good proposition, not only mission critical for uh, single unified experiences, but also uh, a backdoor to competing with Amazon. You know, you mentioned agility, the ability to refresh inventory. I'm thinking of the way in which retailers are beginning to pick from their shelves to fulfill online orders. Well, let's say I make an online order with a retailer, and it's going to be picked for me at the store. But in the interim time, the time it took for it to get to that picker in the store and go get the item, a customer walked in to the store and bought the item. The question then becomes, how fast can you refresh the inventory or how fast can you scurry about in order to fulfill my order that you've already promised me you're going to give me, but in the interim something happened? So how quickly can companies respond and how, you know, if they can't respond quickly enough, what can they do in order to make that better? Clearly, you've got to get to real-time polling. Even trickle polling is no longer really the gold standard. And so most of our clients today are in a real-time polling environment. So as inventory transactions transpire, order management systems, e-commerce systems, and everything in between is updated instantaneously. So you know exactly what you have to offer to the customer in any channel. However, as you mentioned, that doesn't account for shopping time. As I pick something off the shelf and put it in my physical basket in the store, I don't know about that until you've checked out, right? The systems don't know about that until you check out. So what we find is most people build in, they redefine the idea of safety stock. Safety stock, uh, as you well know, Bob, it's been a, a term that's been around forever, but it's been applied now to this notion of what do we declare as available to when we're exposing inventory to our customers. And so that's how that's their hedge. Get to real time, but also build in a hedge that says, you know, if I'm down to two, Based on the velocity, traditional velocity of that item, I may only, I may say limited availability or none, depending on the typical velocity of that item in that store. Uh, but I'll let I'll ask Sahir to comment with his experience and point of view. But that that's our experience. 
What I would add is that when you think about traditional inventory management, especially inventory from a replenishment standpoint, it's always a question of what triggers are there in the in the value chain that would uh, allow the retailer to replenish in in as close to the buying cycle or the cycle of making sure that you, what, whatever you promised a customer, you at least have a minimum quantity uh, available, whether you want to call it on hand, whether you want to call it describing your minimum levels of inventory that is required per, per SKU, however you want to describe it, not including the the back stock or the stock which another store has and and that you can transfer to the store uh, in question where the purchase is being made, right? So I think it comes down to the allocation aspect that I mentioned earlier. There's got to be a, a dramatic change in, in the mindset as far as inventory allocation uh, and, and not being dependent on other factors like, oh, we can always call a store and we can ship from a store. Obviously, you can do that. Retailers have always been able to do that, but then that causes a lot of friction in the customer's experience. There's wait time. There are uh, factors out of the control of a typical store. When you put a quantity on hand at another store, if you if you put it on hold, you know maybe some other customer walks into the store and has bought it. So then the main customer in question is left disappointed that even though the retailer promised that it will be shipped from another store, but it was sold sold to somebody else. So I think that's one thing which I always find is that you have to allocate based on customer service levels, uh, or you can say service levels, as they say. Uh, and service levels really means that before applying the endless aisle concept you should have 90% or higher service levels in the store at the very least. In the warehouse, that has to be closer to 98% or higher, but in the in the brick-and-mortar stores, it has to be 90% or, or more uh, for, the, for the inventory. Now, just imagine a scenario. One last point I'll make is just imagine a scenario that in, in the given week that you, you have four quantities of a particular product that you hope to sell out by the end of the week, and then by Thursday of that week, you get another four of those quantities because you know that by by Saturday, you'll sell out. So given a two-day buffer, you get another four of the same quantity. Just imagine that by Wednesday of that week, if you have a flurry of online orders because an ad went, an ROP ad went into effect, is a special through a partner or directly from a retailer on a particular, uh, let's take an example of a golf set, and you're supposed to receive an, uh, uh, four more of that golf set on Thursday for because you know that you'll run out by Saturday. But the online order pressure is, is tremendous because now you have to make sure that you have even greater quantities to be able to fulfill from the store. So four is not going to be enough. You may have to have six, eight, or even 10. So that type of mindset and calculation has to come into play that you have to take into account that 48% of uh, retail sales on average, in some cases a little bit lower, maybe 30% or 25% are online sales uh, impact on the store. So does your inventory allocation change by 25% 25% or 30% or 40% or 48%. What do you do? Because that online influence on the store is only increasing by the day. 
Okay, well, it's really a wake-up call to retailers, as you describe it, and the findings of this study from EKN and Aptos can be found in a new ebook called Threat or Opportunity, Seven Steps to Overcoming the Shockingly High Costs of the Order Management Lifecycle. We will link to that publication in the show notes to our to this episode. In the meantime, though, I would really like to thank Sahir Anand of EKN Research and Dave Bruno of Aptos for joining us today. Thank you so much. Great, Bob. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. That was my conversation with Sahir Anan of EKN Research and Dave Bruno of Aptos, talking about the skyrocketing cost of retail order management and fulfillment. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time. Hey, hey, hey.